I mean, we, we've got a guy named Jared Jones Smith who we signed off the street last week who we, we think is a chance to be a really good football player. Things got testy. When reports come out, say you're infatuated with a guy like Pitts, is that legitimate or do you just not like... Legitimate. Huh? Not legitimate, but when I say it, I am anybody in this draft who's uh, impressed. <clears throat> Probably an exaggeration is fascinated. I may have used the word myself. But the point is, it's a, it's a distortion uh, for this draft and where we are there. It implies something that's just not the case. We're not going to go in there and, and uh, spend an ordinate uh, value to maneuver up there so that we can get pit. The Las Vegas Journal Review. The Las Vegas Review Journal. Firm believer in UFOs and Sasquatch. Um, so it's real. I saw it. I'm glad the Navy finally confirmed some uh, some more pictures. Uh, now everybody doesn't think I'm as crazy. Um, <laughs> I believe. Boom. Sadness. That's the one. Wait a minute. Who the hell was that? Who believes in Sasquatch and UFOs? That would be Baker Mayfield. Oh, of course Baker Mayfield does. You sure it wasn't Kyrie Irving? <laughs> Wait, how can there be it's UFOs the and the Earth be flat? Yeah, I mean, that would fit right in with the narrative there. I, yeah, well, might be the opposite. Okay, so Baker Mayfield, there's definitely going to be a commercial in the future of him chasing after Bigfoot, isn't there? Yeah. Our, yeah. Oh, he's, God, he's angling I actually think for he's the... really good in those those commercials. So some guys that can make it work. I mean, obviously, Peyton Manning ended up being one of the best that you would have never thought. But I think Baker's kind of on that track. I actually, I think he's actually good in those commercials. So him running after Sasquatch from like the ten yard line down the down the field at his home in the stadium, that would be pretty funny. I wait. He's going for the Jacks link. The the is the that what he's Cherokee. doing? No, I'm I'm not even. I don't know, but that's the one that's like messing with Sasquatch. <laughs> he's he's just gonna like all he's doing is he's like, all right, I may not be, never be a top ten quarterback, but I'll always be a top ten most appeared in commercials quarterback. Yeah. Jared, how recent is that sound? Uh, it was on my poll list for today, but I don't know if it's, I don't know when. I, all I saw on my poll list was Sasquatch, and I went, yep, that's going in the show. Don't okay, care when it's from. Because Okay, it, it was from this week. Because um, he said the Navy released photos. Did the Navy release photos of Bigfoot? No, I think they released, they released photos of unidentified flying crafts. And oh, just like everything yeah. else, it's sort of like it's very grainy and black and white, and people believe whatever they want to. I was hoping the Navy had photos of Bigfoot, and Baker Mayfield was like, See, I told you, Bigfoot is real. Yes, oh, Baker Mayfield would right. have been ahead of all of us. I know we need to get into the Raiders, but real quick, yeah, we don't guys, need to. Have yeah, you guys ever, <laughs> have you guys ever had a friend who started believing in Bigfoot? started believing okay no started, but, but like all of a sudden that like became it's like the friend in middle school gets way too into weed and so the every conversation turns into a conversation about weed this is like bigfoot turned you into mean, a thing for one of my friends and it would be like but what i'm saying is an apex predator primate in a vast <laughs> area of forest in the upper northwest and it's just like the upper Northwest. So above Canada. Like, what are you talking about? An apex predator primate? That's a, that's a person. 
But that we would like every conversation would be it's like, well, you know, it's sort of like how they denied Bigfoot. And it's like, I, I can't with you. I can't with you right now. We're talking about the Voting Rights Act of 1964. And you know what's a little concerning? That if there's somebody <laughs> after, out there... After that, there was a lot of... There, I, that's an open-ended question, but go ahead. Well, it's a little concerning that there could be somebody out there that could make Jared say, yeah, you might be a little insane. <laughs> because the way Jared just described this friend of his that believes in Bigfoot is basically how I view Jared on a daily basis. So for somebody to make Jared view somebody that same way, it's a little concerning. Well... At the end of the day, we don't know if Jared was talking to himself either. So, Oh, that's a good point. He could have been, could talking, have been talking to the mirror. To yeah. That is true. Well, okay. Jared. I, I say some very stupid things. <laughs> but I, I have never expressed a belief in nonsense outside that I believe bunting and stealing should come back in baseball. I'm um, turning off my mic. You have not confirmed nor denied whether or not you believe Bigfoot is real. Bigfoot is not real. Okay. Okay. Don't believe you. All right, now to get into the Raiders, pro football focus, uh, ranked out all the rosters in the mm -hmm. NFL going into the draft. And the Raiders came in with the 28th best roster in the NFL, which would give them a bottom five roster in the NFL. So do you believe the Raiders have a bottom five roster in the NFL? Well, I'd have to go through each one to say bottom five, but I do believe there's a good argument that their roster today is not as good as the one he inherited. Like, I, I will say that. Um, you know, I, I don't know where they were ranked when he came in, but I, I, I don't know if they're as good now. Um, has it gotten better or worse? Well, again, <laughs> just on Yannick and Gakwe saying they're probably better defensively, and that shows you how bad they were. Like, one guy has made them probably better defensively. It's all relative in terms of what that means. Um, offensively? I don't know how you can blow up a really good offensive line and say you're better until you prove you are, right? Who's the right tackle? How's the center going to play? I mean, so, yeah, I mean, I think you look last year, the last two years, in the offensive line, you've blown it up. You can't say you're better. I guess you have a better joker. He's probably going to make that team and stay around for a while. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I, there's definitely arguments to make that where pro football focus ranks them is true and that they are not as good, not only as they were last year in spots, but certainly not when he came in and he had Khalil Mack and other people on that team they no longer have. Yeah, so I don't believe that they have a bottom five roster. I mean, they, they went eight and eight last season. Like, they, they were, they didn't make the playoffs, but they were in playoff contention for the majority of last season. So I don't think they have a bottom five roster, but I don't know that it's much higher than 28. Because if you go through, like, quarterback okay most important position they've got a top 12 guy at quarterback that means something that carries a lot of weight they do have one of the three best tight ends in football and they're probably one of the top 10 running back groups in the nfl as well since they signed Kenyon drake the problem is there's not much value when it comes to winning when you sign a backup running back but their offensive line is not top 20 their offensive line might end up being bottom five and their wide receiver group might be bottom five this year like we're talking about John Brown, Henry Ruggs, and Hunter Renfro is the top three. That's a, that's a pretty terrible wide receiver group for the Raiders. So they might be bottom five in offensive line and wide receiver this year. And then defensively, their defensive line with Ngakwe, uh, maybe they can push up around 15, but they're more around probably like 18, 20 for defensive line. The linebackers aren't top 15, probably not top 20. And then they probably have the worst cornerbacks and the worst safeties in football, or at least bottom three at those two positions. So 
when you sort of put all that together, they're probably around like the 22nd, 23rd best roster in football, which isn't that much higher than 28. No, it's not at all. And I think it's it's strange because like at, on one hand, I kind of want to give John Gruden credit because I don't think they have a good roster and they, they've been in playoff contention for a large chunk of the last two seasons. They've gone eight and eight last year. They went seven and nine the year before. Like, like I, I think he deserves some credit because he's coached up a roster that's not that good too close to the playoffs, but he doesn't really deserve the credit because he, he's the one that ruined well, the he's roster. Just, he, he's, he's the one that made the roster. Team. Right. Yeah. So like he built the roster, so he doesn't really deserve credit for making the roster win more games than it should. He could have just built a better roster and things would have been fine. Yeah. So I mean, he, he deserves Again, some credit to, as a coach, but none is like a front office guy. No, I go back to, like I said, I, I think he inherited a better roster. Then he chose to get rid of a bunch of guys and do like his veteran look and get a bunch of veterans. And that really hasn't worked out. So now they're hoping to build around kids like Ruggs and, you know, uh, you know, um, Josh Jacobs and all these young guys. Now he's got young guys in the line. So they're kind of changing up there. But I don't think they're any better roster wise than when he came in. And that team, you know, they got rid of Mac, but that team won four games. So. I think it's all relative compared to each year you're talking about. But if you're saying they're 22nd in his fourth year, that's not very good. Like by a fourth year, no matter what you inherited, you would think uh, that you'd be better than 22nd to 28th, wherever they fall in that realm. And they're not. Um, and, and again, every decision, final decision is his. They're, it's just his. So he's responsible for this. I know he brought Mayock in. He got rid of Reggie McKenzie. But Mayock, you know, probably tells him, I'm sure he tells him what he thinks, but John Gruden's the final say in that organization. And this is on him for what the roster is. Yeah, and I think the the key there is he's going into his fourth year. You would hope there is no metric or no opinion that could that could grade you as a bottom five roster when you're going into your fourth year. Like you would assume that you would have just you just been good enough that you're not gonna be bottom five going into your fourth year. Like bottom five should be the teams that are, you know, picking in the top five of the NFL draft and should be the teams with new head coaches because they yeah. fired their old head coaches because the team wasn't very good. Or new general managers because the general managers weren't very good at putting the roster together. That's what you would be expecting to be in the bottom five, not a team that has a head coach going into his fourth season, as well as a team that has a general manager going into his third season and his third draft with the team, which is why... The, the draft has been the biggest problem for the Raiders because they haven't hit on enough of their first-round picks. They've had five, six first-round picks over the last three seasons, and they haven't, they've haven't. they hit on maybe two of them. And so that's the problem when you look at the Raiders and what's happening with their roster. If they had hit on more of those guys, the roster would be significantly better, and they wouldn't, they, they'd be in a better spot than 28th overall or even mm -hmm. 22nd overall. But they haven't hit on enough of those guys, and instead we're yeah. sitting here wondering, is Jonathan Abram, is Damon Arnett, are these guys even, you know, NFL replacement level guys because they weren't last season? No, they weren't. And I don't know how much it changes over the next three days starting on Thursday. Um, you know, you, you could make a really impact pick on the first round, and that's probably going to elevate you if they make the right pick. Uh, what they do over the draft, we've seen what they've done in the draft. There's been more misses than hits. That, that's obvious. Um, there's been more misses in free agency. That's obvious. When you look two years ago, the guys they gave all that money to and all those guys who are gone now. So they have to be better. And if you're going to make the playoffs, although they were 8-8 eight and eight last year, I get that. So they were close. There's an extra game this year. Um, that could be good or bad for them. We'll see how the record plays out. 
but you're not making a lot of playoff runs with the 22nd to 28th roster in the league. So if that's where they fall, and I, you know, whether it's you evaluating a pro football focus, I think it's in that realm, then they have a long ways to go. And in the fourth year, I'll say it again, I don't believe they should have as long a way to go as they do. Can I say one thing before we get into the draft tomorrow and something I do not want to hear anybody say, and that is a general manager or a head coach say something along the lines of our team got better today or our team got better over the last three days of the draft because the NFL draft is basically a way to allocate talent to NFL teams for no cost. You do not have to pay anything to get these players. Every single team in the NFL is going to get better over the next three days because they're getting players for free. There's no cost to them to get these players. So anybody, any GM who comes on and says, well, we got better today, of course you did. If you didn't get better after taking players for free, you're the worst GM in the history of sports. Yes. So anybody who says that, we need to shame them th- uh, vigorously. Okay, so give me the... Uh... Give me the odds that Gruden or Mayock say that. 100%. Mike Mayock <laughs> will sit down after day one and say, our football team okay. got better today. And it's like, no bleep, Mike Mayock. You got to pick a guy and not give anything up. Two things he'll say. That and we were grinding. Oh, grinding. Loves grinding. Oh, they grind all the time. We need All to- right. Sam and Ash that, are going to join a, us next. That might be a next. drop right there. <laughs> Sam and Ash are going to join us next. But if you think you know who will be drafted – Go to lbsportsnetwork.com, sign up for our Draft for Dough contest. You could win 1000 bucks in cash and a $250 gift card for the Raiders Image Store. It's all courteous of the DeHart team from Nova Home Loans. So again, lbsportsnetwork.com, find Drafting for Dough, and you could win 1000 bucks plus a $250 gift card to the Raider Image Store. Call Sam at Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit their website, samandashlaw.com. Sam and Ash, because you deserve what's right. Well, it's a Wednesday, so you know they're here. At Sam and Ash Law on Twitter, Sam and Ash Law, because you deserve what's right. 702-820-1234. Give them a call now. They're always there for you. So, guys, how are you? Great. Good. Super. Um, Sam, how are you? Uh, I'm, I'm good, yeah. Good. good to hear from you guys. Okay, so when this happened, I, Tyler and I like texted right away and said, okay, we, this we got to ask them because this is this has become a you know a, a very you know big story in, in Vegas with Sam Collins because he was signed to UNLV. He was this great point guard, and they they now obviously won't take him because of the crash that involved the death. But this week, uh, or excuse me, last week, his attorneys asked that all charges be dropped in the case on the DUI. Um, and the marijuana and, and causing death. I want to go, there's a lot to this story. I want to ask you first, though, about the contention of the attorneys that the Nevada DUI law, they found, you know, uh, certain amounts of marijuana in the system is unconstitutionally vague in terms of marijuana DUIs and fails rational basis scrutiny. I assume this is a big part of the case because they said he was impaired. When you saw this unconstitutionally vague, can you give us a percentage or talk through how big a deal this would be when you're making the argument to drop the charges? Well, I mean, yeah. So what they're trying to do is there's already a bill in place to change how Nevada's DUI, marijuana DUI 
laws work. Right now, if you're found to have more than two nanograms in your system, you're guilty, basically. Um, and what's going on right now is they're trying to change that law. And, and so it's not in the change has not gone into effect. But what Zion's lawyer is trying to do is piggyback off of that and say, look, this law as it stands now is void for vagueness because and it's unconstitutional because the average person doesn't know what conduct is actually prohibited. Is it in like ingesting marijuana over the course of a week that makes your your blood system go up above two nanograms? Is it within the last hour? What is it? And so if an average citizen can't regulate their conduct to be within the law, then there's a problem. Yeah, it all has to do with people. The, the contention here is that he didn't smoke before the accident. It was actually impaired, that he had a THC in his system. And and I think, I think there's some reasonable scientific uh, dispute as to how long the effects of marijuana linger and if it's and how how you measure it how do you scientifically prove it all of this is settled with alcohol it's just not settled yet with thc and so you know this is what happens when you hire good lawyers and they're they're using every means available to uh, to get them out of this so how likely is it that this does just simply get dismissed i don't know and the reason i say that is because presumably right i i, I assume that he didn't just have lingering marijuana in a system that that the arrest report the officers who who responded to the scene and took him into custody they had other signs of impairment they looked at his eyes they the the way he was talking maybe they they smelled marijuana in the car and those are all factors that i don't see in any of the news stories right what what led them to have a reasonable suspicion to do a blood test or did it just do a blood test as a matter of um, of, of normal course and scope after a fatality accident i don't know the answer to that uh, so if there were other indicators of impairment or that are of recent marijuana consumption there's a death here and th that's a I, I don't see the state just letting it go. Uh, they're, they're not going to just just abandon this. So I have read that they did see signs of impairment, but they didn't describe what it is. And then they also mentioned seeing a, like a jar with a green leafy substance in it or something like that. It was so sage. It was burning sage. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, two-part question here. So Sam just said we haven't read yet. Uh, at least uh, in the newspaper articles, the level of impairment the officers thought. So two-part question here. One, guys, when uh, when attorneys ask for a case to be dropped, would the judge or would the judge at any time interview or put those officers on the stand before she makes a decision to hear what they saw? And two, is there ever a belief, and we talked about this last week, and obviously we don't know the judge in terms of what she's thinking, that a judge in a case like this with a death would say, you know what? There might be something here, but I'm not deciding this. We're going to go forward, and you let a jury decide. I'm not going to be the one to drop this, given someone was killed. Well, the uh, I, I'm going to just. I think on Thursday, the judge actually he likely heard from the the officers because it was the okay. pre the preliminary hearing to okay. to, bi to bind over this DUI charge. And and I presume the reason we're seeing this motion to dismiss being filed is because the court did say that there's probable cause to take this to a jury. And so okay. they've already heard from the arresting officers. Um, but I, the likelihood, I don't, this is not, it's not normal for these motions to dismiss get granted. Especially where a death has occurred. I mean, this is a serious matter. And, and I think, I think the thing that is so important for, for us here in, in town is 
is that we we do smoke a lot of weed okay this is a city where there's a lot of marijuana consumption and and these and there are people that are driving impaired it is a fact and they're driving impaired and they're making a terrible choice and they're getting into accidents and in some cases they're they're doing causing people great bodily harm in fact it's not an accident it's a crash um and it's it's a choice that they've made to drive impaired so i'm you know, I think we need to settle this law and figure out what our measure of people's impairment is and hold people who, who drive impaired accountable because, you know, we, we, it, next time it could be you or me or one of our loved ones that gets hit. And, uh, and if impairment was the cause of this crash, then uh, Zan Collins needs to pay the price. If the DUI charge is dismissed, there was still somebody killed in this accident and Zayon Collins was still driving over 85 miles an hour in a 35. Like what, what happens to him? What are the charges against him if just the DUI part of this is dropped? Well, so they already dismissed the reckless driving. Remember they, they went yeah. to a grant, they went to a grand jury on two charges, the DUI and then the, the reckless driving and the grand jury only decided to indict on the reckless driving. They did not indict on the DUI, but the prosecutor, uh, dismissed the reckless driving charge and then only took the DUI to the preliminary hearing. So um, as far as criminally, I, I don't see any more charges, but civilly, um, the family will likely still pursue a civil action against Zayon Collins to recover for their damages, for and, their loss. And what's fascinating is one of one element of the defense here uh, for Zayon is that, that, he, that he wasn't at fault in the accident, that the victim, yeah, the decedent, yeah. This poor guy, they're they're blaming him for the crash. Yeah. Um, and I, I I mean it's good lawyering, right? It's what a defense attorney needs to do for his client. Um, I just I again we handle cases like this, unfortunately, tragedies all the time. And it's very difficult to I mean, how do you how do you explain driving over eighty miles an hour in a thirty five zone and yeah. and not 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 be responsible for the crash? I mean, I I don't I don't see it. So Ash, you, you said they dismissed the reckless driving. I assume, though, that is brought into the case. If it goes to jury, that, that is presented, I assume, even though you're not charging him. At some point, a jury would not only hear about the THC, but they would hear he was driving 85 and a 35. Is that is that fair game, whether in an opening argument or whatever, even though he's not charged with reckless driving, that's part of this case? Yeah, of course. Those those facts overlap with the impairment. They would say he was okay. making poor okay. judgment. He was driving eighty in a in a thirty, and so that okay. the, the facts would come in, but the charges, the jury would never have to make a decision as to whether or not he was actually reckless driving. Just just to clarify, if the DUI charge was dismissed, Zayon Collins doesn't serve any jail time, right? Like then there's you said there's no criminal there. It could be civil, but there's no jail time if that's dismissed, right? Right. Yeah, he's off. He's out, okay. and uh, his life continues. Wow. This is fascinating. Uh, it'll be closely followed, and I, I guess I have one more because Sam brought it up. Uh, is there I, – I read there might be a witness. I don't know if there's video or whatever who suggested the, 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 the person who was killed was turning into him or whatever. Uh, I, I mean, I assume that's a witness that uh, the defense would call – would we not heard more about that in the beginning when this whole story hit there? Or is that something when you're a defensive attorney and he's got great attorneys, they just start sending people out to interview everyone and they just kind of find this person? Right. So if the if the person's making a turn, okay, changing lanes or making – I think it might have been a turn out of a side street. But regardless, if you're making a turn, it's your responsibility to make sure the lane is clear. However, 
If you're making a turn out onto a roadway or changing lanes in a road that is 35 miles an hour and you look at it and you don't see a car and all of a sudden whoosh out of nowhere, an 85 mile an hour vehicle creams you, um, you know, yeah, I mean, yes, yes, in theory, it's failure to yield, but you, you've, you've got, you've got the proximate cause of the accident it could very well be the speed. But yeah, and you're absolutely right, Ed. What these lawyers did immediately being rep representing Zion, they went out and canvassed the area for surveillance footage. You know, they needed to know what actually happened. And so that's why it was really important that you get a lawyer right away so they can go get any surrounding footage that or witnesses that saw the accident or documented the accident before anyone forgets or gets overwritten. You know how surveillance footage just automatically overwrites sometimes after two days, three days when it wow. comes to wow. when it comes to like blame basically i have the right to make the assumption if i'm making a left turn through an intersection that somebody's not going 50 miles an hour over the speed limit you can make that risk i don't know if you want to i mean that's your <laughs> that's your life tyler i mean um not, and, not in las vegas yeah so no you got to be all extra careful out here on these roads no jokes about my driving, please. There's always a layup set up on this. Not I, today, Ed. Not today, Ed. We're, we're Wednesday, being nice. Look at how nice boy, we're being. It's like a layup, a step-free <laughs> layup every week with driving situations. 702 uh, Ash Law on Twitter. Best personal injury attorneys in town. you got to get to them now if you have a case, if you've been injured in an accident. Uh, no insurance companies. Get to Ash Law on Twitter, SamanAshLaw.com. Uh, we stayed with this because it's so fascinating and interesting to everyone in Las Vegas. He is a kid who is well-known here, and people will follow this uh, down to whatever happens with him. So we thank you for all the information on this case. It was the one we really, really had to get to and hit hard this week. We know you have Clay Baker and whoever he's with today. So uh, we thank you guys, and uh, obviously we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, guys. Right. Yeah, Love you guys. Great to be with you. Take care Bye. of yourself. Yeah, that was awesome because that's going to be interesting. And I – I'm glad we talked to them. I just, I can't see when someone is killed that they just drop everything. Like, yeah. I, I, I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a judge. But just on the outside looking at them, like, and it's like Sam said, at the end of the day, like, someone died. So I just can't see one person as a judge saying, you know what, we're just going to drop this and we're not going to take this to a jury and see what they think. Right. The optics of a man is dead. Somebody else oh. hit him going 85 miles an hour and 35. And he may or may not have been over the legal Parent. limit of THC or, or over the vague limits of THC. Like it's just from an optic standpoint, it would look Horrible. terrible. And yeah. uh, a lot of things happen within the law that look terrible. So maybe it could happen, but it would seemingly be pretty bad. All right. Coming up next, it's Bischoff's briefs. And uh oh, Rob Manfred's talking about Major League Baseball expanding again. Where's Henderson backing up the dump truck full of money? The rules of Scrabble are simple. First, each player pretends to mix the tiles while trying to feel for the letter A. Bischoff's briefs. The game does not officially begin until one player reminds all the others that the first word scores double. That player is known as the Scrabble Jackass and is then handed the box top for any further rule clarifications. Bischoff's briefs. Players then take turns laying down words until someone does a bad job hiding the fact that they drew a blank. Bischoff's briefs. Upon seeing the blank draw, each player must make a bad joke about the tiles in their possession. Bischoff's briefs. Play continues until each turn takes longer than open heart surgery, and the game ends when one person uses the last of their letters. Even though at this point no one likes that person, they're still referred to as the winner. Bischoff's briefs. And that's how you scrabble.
Rob Manfred. Oh, don't we love it when commissioners of sports leagues start talking about expansion again? Uh, Rob Manfred said yesterday that they're not going to expand in Major League Baseball until Oakland and Tampa get new ballparks. So Oakland plays at the Coliseum, Tampa Bay plays in a rundown dome. Uh, Manfred, partially here you can say that Major League Baseball, they're trying to take care of their own. They're trying to get the teams they currently have into good ballparks. What I do wonder, though, is take the idea of expansion out of it and more along the lines of relocation and how seriously would Major League Baseball consider letting Tampa Bay or Oakland move if another city was willing to help them build a ballpark because teams and leagues love new stadiums and love public money to build those stadiums. So if Tampa Bay or Oakland, they're not, if they're not getting it in their home market, uh, but another city is willing to put up money to build a new ballpark, would major league baseball let them move? Obviously Tampa Bay, we've had the reports of them. Ah, maybe they'll play half the season in Montreal and stupid stuff like that. Uh, So I, I don't think that's out of the question, which is where Vegas comes in as a, before you even get to expansion, potentially a legit option for relocation because we saw just a couple of years ago Henderson trying to lure the Arizona Diamondbacks out of Arizona and into Henderson, and they were going to build them a new ballpark. It was going to be out by the Raiders' practice facility. So I would be fascinated to see, if given the opportunity, how that would go down in this city. Uh, or in this town, because we have a $750 million football stadium. That was um, not exactly the most popular way to spend $750 million in public money. I can't imagine a Clark County uh, setup to where more public money would go to a stadium or a ballpark when you've spent $750 million on a football stadium. But... Henderson is its own city, and Henderson is obsessed with sports to the point where they give the Raiders land at a discount price, where they're giving, they're spending 40 something million dollars on the Henderson Silver Knights because you got to have the AHL in Henderson. I wouldn't be that surprised if the city of Henderson found a way to give hundreds of millions of dollars to try to build a baseball stadium to bring the Oakland A's to Las Vegas. Like, that would not be that big of a surprise for me. So, I don't think it's out of the question, even though it sounds hilarious that Las Vegas or part of Las Vegas and Henderson would try to give more public money to get another pro sports team. Yeah, I thought, I mean, I I, look, I don't know which way to go. I thought it was weird. Uh, The mayor, Deborah Marsh, was wearing a throwback uh, Eric Chavez jersey the other day when she approached the council. Uh, So, uh, I mean, let's be honest, it's Henderson. And like you said, back, I think you said earlier in the show, or Jared did, back up the Brinks truck. I mean, they... They want so much to, and they're actually, let's be honest, doing a pretty good job of it. Uh, they want so much to be considered the sports mecca of Las Vegas. Now, it's always going to be uh, not that way, given there's an NFL stadium in, in Clark County. But, I mean, would you be, I don't think either of us would be shocked. Let me ask you this, because I saw a couple of headlines yesterday that said the expansion fee. Would it, would it Manfred float 2.2 billion, 2.5 billion? I think he, 2.2. Okay, okay 2.2 billion. This is one of those situations. You and I talked the other day, and I don't know, I don't remember what the price was, but I said, "Oh, am I? Oh, it been for a Premier League team. The cost of a Premier League team." Like when I saw two point two billion, and the headlines being saying astronomical for an expansion team. Like, correct me if I'm wrong. Like, I didn't think that was astronomical. Like, I don't in t- today's world of sports and sports franchises, 
like a couple billion for an expansion baseball team. I might be way off, but like these these people yesterday were writing like, oh, that's completely crazy. And I said, I don't know why that's completely crazy. Well, for me, it's the context of the New York Mets because the Mets just sold for $2.4 billion. And so, to me, that was probably low given it was in New York. Yeah, and so and that to me is is what I see as okay. If a New York team is worth two point yeah. four billion, are you really are you, Nevada team? Before. Yeah, are you really talking about Henderson or or if it's Portland or Louisville or whatever? Like right. none of none of the potential expansion markets for Major League Baseball are near the size of New York. So I like that's the part to me that sticks out now. It is a brand new team, and that obviously carries some value. And it is a, you know, when when leagues expand, they can charge more than what a team that's already in the league is worth because sure. they're basically saying, hey, we only have 30 or 32 spots. We can charge you whatever the hell we want at the end of the day. Right. So that can kind of, you know, drive the price up. But it's just like if you see a New York team sell for 2.4, it's hard to imagine, okay, you're going to put a team in Louisville, yeah. Kentucky, or Portland, Oregon for 2.2 because it's like, okay, why the hell would I do that? Why wouldn't I have just bought the Mets if that's what we were doing? Yeah. So I, I guess I, I'm overvaluing. By the way, I'd rather have a Premier League team than an expansion baseball team, but uh, if, especially if they're the same price. I mean, then I don't think there's a decision to make given how popular that sport is and how much money they make. But, yeah, that's a great point. If that's what it is in New York and Henderson, Nevada, or what other city, whatever city we're talking about, there's you're not going to get many cities beyond that that are bigger or more market-friendly. So if it's 2-4 there, maybe is 2-2 two, two is a lot. But I, I just – and I might be thinking of NFL teams and what teams are worth around, and maybe baseball teams just aren't considered that, you know, that worthy. Okay, so something I want – I was – when I saw this on the rundown, there was something I was curious about, so I looked it up. The Rays owner, at least their main owner, is only worth only, Jesus, $800 million, (laughs) where the A's owner has actually gone from mid-2.5-ish billion, and since the pandemic started, he's almost up to $3 billion. And my question is, how is it that they're like, well, we don't want to expand until these two... These two teams get their stadium sorted. I'm pretty sure the Oakland A's guy could b- build them both a stadium in both locations well, and still have like a billion dollars. So how is this I, not I mean, a how is this an issue at all? I think the issue is convincing an owner to build his own stadium. Like none of them want to do that. But then you they get want, to keep they, they want, all they the want money. The public or the, they want everyone else paying for their stadiums. And look what's happened in Oakland. The Raiders moved. I mean. That's a disaster up there. I don't. I. I mean, I think baseball has a chance up there, uh, down by the water and um, uh, the area up there where they keep saying where they're going to build it. But look how long it's taken. Um, I, I just. I think I, I'm with you that the owners could afford it. I just don't think they ever want to use their own money. Okay. Then quick follow up of the two owners. Then we're uh, the, obviously the A's aren't moving to Las Vegas. That guy has too much money. You yeah. got to get the 800 million person split half the cost of the stadium to make him a billionaire. Sure. I'm I've sure seen, Henderson's on board. I've seen this playbook. I've, I, I know how to make this happen. Uh, Jared, just just on the Oakland A's and their owner, um, last season their closer was Liam Hendricks, and he had a 1.78 ERA. That was two straight seasons that he had an ERA of 1.8 or lower, and their owner wouldn't fork over $11 million to keep the best closer in baseball around for another season. So 
him forking over what 500 million a, a billion dollars to build a stadium or a ballpark i don't think that's happening either he's wor- he's made money since the world went into a pandemic I, I'm fully aware. I'm just saying he's not he's not about to give any of that money away. He yeah. didn't give it to Liam Hendricks. He's not spending it on a stadium either. He's gonna wait for he's gonna wait for Deborah March to say, All right, we got a billion dollars I mean, for you. I mean, Tyler watched the movie. Pitt, Giambi, gone, Damon, gone, this guy, gone. They never spend any money up there. <laughs> poor Oakland A's. Yeah, that's poor a brutal Oakland team. A's. That's a brutal team to be a fan of. No, not not the not the team, the fans. Like that's a brutal team to be a fan of. Like, cause anytime you know you have a good player, you're not keeping them. As soon as he gets as soon as he gets out of arbitration level, he's gone to whatever team is willing to pay him more than six dollars. Think about how annoying that must be for the real Billy Bean just sitting there going, I read Forbes. I know you have money. <laughs> you dick. All right. Here's your chance. To win a Golden Knights jersey. Uh, giving away a Golden Knights jersey every day this week. Plus, you'll be entered for a chance to win a pair of tickets to a Golden Knights game. The phone number is 702-364-1100. 702-364-1100. We will take caller number oh, oh. 17 today. Oh, 702. Just, oh, the Raiders. The Raiders picked it for you. 702-364-1100. Caller number 17. You'll get a Golden Knights jersey, plus be entered to win a couple of tickets to a future Golden Knights game. Jesse Winker to lead things off. First ball swinging. He rockets one. Deep right center, gone. Oh one God. pitch, one homer. That's a 12-game hitting streak for Jesse Winker. Rip down the right field line, and it's going all the way to the wall. Castellanos, he is on his horse. Winker scores. Here comes the big fella, and it's 6-5 Reds. Votto delivers. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios, this is the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff. Joey Votto delivering for the Reds. Hundred-year-old oh. Joey Votto. My God. You I know, mean, when you... you know, seventeen years. He can still he can still play the game. He's going to the Hall of Fame, so good for him. Oh, the poor Dodgers. They can't beat the uh, Cincinnati Reds. Um, oh God. Congratulations to Russell. Uh, Russell won the Golden Knights jersey. He has also entered to win a pair of tickets to a Golden Knights game. Uh, we have two more Golden Knights jerseys to give away this week, and two more people will be entered to get tickets to a game all of it Whoa. thanks to finley volvo swedish elegance and world-renowned safety await at finley volvo visit them at finleyvolvo.com all right um jared told us during the break that he would like to clarify his statement about bigfoot uh if you recall jared wasn't wasn't quick to admit this but he did eventually say that he does not believe in bigfoot so what clarification do you have here I don't believe in Bigfoot because no one has presented an a scientifically scrutable enough like evidence in order to convince me. So, I don't feel like that was a necessary clarification. Okay, but there is like it's sort of like everything else in this current time in current year. You must be like, oh, so you just don't believe in this? And it's like, okay, fine. There has not been enough evidence presented to me to make me believe in unicorns. Are you happy? 
I mean, that just I, it just sounds like you're saying, I don't believe in Bigfoot, but if I see Bigfoot, I'll believe in Bigfoot, is basically what you're saying. Correct. Okay. I don't know. Doesn't sound like a necessary clarification. You don't believe in Bigfoot, which is okay. Um, you, you are not as good as Baker Mayfield at playing quarterback or believing in conspiracy theories. Um, all right. I bet I could do commercials just as well. Ed, is Logan Paul a legitimate boxer? Uh, if you like YouTube, I guess. Um, because yeah, we haven't I, we haven't gotten to the season fight I'm, Floyd and Hard Rock. Stadium. Yeah, I'm reading the story. He's fighting Floyd Mayweather. Yeah. So he, this is to me. This is even going to be well. I don't know if it's going to be. So when Floyd fought Connor, it was a joke. He just he let him stay as long as he let him stay, and that was it. This will be the same way. He'll let him stay around as long as he does. It's Floyd being bored. It's Floyd being <laughs> out of the spotlight. It's Floyd knowing his perfect record will never be touched in a fight like this. So. I don't know about you, and this to me is a bigger indictment on how boxing has lost its allure, because this is what you have to get to. Now, it doesn't mean there's not still a lot of great fighters out there, but when Mayweather went and, and Pacquiao's kind of waning and stuff, and they lost their guys, this is what has happened to where now Floyd Mayweather, Floyd Mayweather against Logan Paul is you know, considered a huge deal and this huge story. To me, it's more the state of boxing. Now, we already know what's going to happen. He'll, he'll let him stay with as long as he wants him to stay, and then he'll end it, but... It's just, this is where boxing is uh, comparative to what it once was. Ooh. Wait a minute. Now I'm even more confused. You're telling me, as I read this story, that Logan Paul is not the person who fought Ben Askren the other two weeks ago? <laughs> no, You're telling me Jake that was Paul. his brother, Jake? There's two Pauls? There's what? two Pauls. His brother. When... In fact, my guess is Jake will be on the undercard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's just, I mean, this is... This is uh, this was become. I mean, you know, say what you want about UFC, they passed them a long time ago, in my opinion, uh, in popularity and and you know, in terms of what people watch with combat sports anymore. I liked boxing for a long time. I went to most of Floyd's fights and most of Manny's fights and all that here in Vegas. And some of them, I mean, Floyd and Ricky Hatton, the week of Ricky Hatton with the the Brits here was amazing to cover, and it's just not the same anymore. So this is what we get. Uh, I'm a little surprised I didn't read most of the stories that Floyd wouldn't have wanted it in Vegas and maybe he doesn't care anymore because usually you want to fight Vegas. But again, this isn't a real fight. He could fight him you know, at your house there when we're doing the show. It's going to end the same <laughs> way. He will decide when it ends and Logan Paul will lose and make a lot of money and probably get a cut in the pay-per-view. And here's the thing. There will be a big pay-per-view for this. People will pay to watch this like they did pay for the McGregor fight. It's it's comedy. It's like, you know, it's it's that's why they pay for it. So people will watch it. I'm not saying that. I just think... It, it more it's more an indictment on boxing than anything about this fight if it's here at my house the undercard will have to be the dogs. my two my two dogs yes. ruby and yes. squash going toe-to-toe -to -toe for their breakfast 